0: of days of the new i'm kevin and i am finally joined by my co-host nick yet again nick has been down with the sickness but uh he is finally getting back into fighting shape nick how the hell are you what's
1: going on kevin i'm doing better Uh, my voice is almost all the way back Uh, i'm pretty recovered i really only had uh a two or three bad days, uh, and then it was just mostly like not really being able to leave the house and kind of had a sore throat for a while. But uh,
0: yeah, we're uh, we're alive and kicking. Well, I'm glad that uh, as you start to turn the corner, I could keep you inside even more to finish up <laughs> part two, the conclusion of our story of ice Tea and Body Count's self-titled album. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah. So uh, without further ado, let's just get into it. And by the way, this is a two-parter, so if you haven't heard the first part, which is Body Count Part 1, I think it was like three episodes ago, go back and listen to that. All right, so everything that we talked about all leads up to this moment, Cop Killer. The song was conceived, as most great songs are, goofing around in the studio. According to Ice-T, when we wrote Cop Killer, I was in rehearsals singing Psycho Killer by Talking Heads, and Beatmaster V said, We need a cop killer.
1: So yeah, that's about the same thing that I I came across in my initial research too. Yeah,
0: he's like, cops are out here killing people, doing their bullshit and getting away with it. He's like, motherfuckers need to start taking on the cops. So I thought of a character, like what if somebody snapped and went after them? And that's where the lyrics come from. I just started imagining if somebody went over the edge based on cop killings, you know, better you than me. I'm not gonna let you kill me. And with that narrative in mind, Ice penned the lyrics to Cop Killer and onto the album it went. Now, because you cannot find this song on any streaming services, and we'll get to that in a little bit, I think it's really important that before we go any further, you actually hear the band tracks in their entirety. So what we're gonna do right now is play the skit out in the parking lot, which is then followed up immediately by Cop Killer. Without further ado, enjoy. This next record is dedicated to some personal friends
2: of mine, the LAPD. For every cop that has ever taken advantage of somebody, beat them down or hurt them because they got long hair, listened to the wrong kind of music, wrong color, whatever they thought was the reason to do it, for every one of those fucking police, I'd like to take a pig out here in this parking lot and shoot them in their motherfucking face face.
3: shit. and I could get even. <laughs>
0: killer, Nick, react.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I imagine for most of you listening, that's probably the first time you've heard that song. Um, I, the first time I heard it, I didn't hear it during all the controversy. I was a little too young. Um, and then when I wanted to go back and actually hear it, I had to like go through a million like LimeWire files <laughs> to try and find it back when I was in college. Uh, so yeah, the first time I heard it was you know probably almost 10 years after it came out.
0: Yeah. And it's in line with pretty much that entire album. I absolutely love how the whole snare roll, how they punctuate it with machine gun fire. Oh yeah, that's amazing.
1: And I mean to be fair, it is one of the better songs on the album. Oh
0: yeah, I would say it's the best song on the album. And not just because of like, oh, it's so edgy and raw. It's just a really good punk track.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Which which is funny, and I'm sure we're gonna get into this a little bit, that it's but before we even get into the controversy, like Can't help but notice it's not a rap song (laughs) at all. (laughs) No, it is not. No, let's just, you just heard it, everybody. Not a rap song. So as we continue
0: to go over the coverage, just keep that, play it with that narrative. Yeah. Body Count's album debuted at number 32 on Billboard's top 50 albums and peaked at number 26 on the Billboard 200. And with the inclusion of Cop Killer, immediately parents and politicians across the country did nothing. It just, Nobody cared. Yeah, no, it wasn't on anybody's radar. No. Overall, the reviews were generally positive. Uh, Here's an excerpt from The Village Voice. Exploiting and burlesquing the style's white-skin privilege from smoked pork to cop killer, Ice-T's metal album takes rap's art-ain't-life defense over the top. Not only does he off pigs, he murders his mom and suggests that listeners with parents on the racist tip follow his example. (laughs) A-minus. It's pretty great. Yeah, that's awesome. In July of 1991, Body Count hit the road on the first ever Lollapalooza, which featured the mind blowing lineup of Rollins Band, Nine Inch Nails, Susie and the Banshees, Butthole Surfers, Living Color, and Jane's Addiction. I mean, really, to be featured in that lineup is pr- pretty crazy in retrospect. Interestingly, Body Count is billed only as Ice T, and I'm guessing that had everything to do with name brand recognition.
1: Yeah, for sure. I don't think that majority of people knew who Body Count was at all at that point, even during the heyday of this crisis and, and its news coverage. like It was, it was an attack on Ice-T, not
0: on Body Count, and on Warner Brothers. Yeah, absolutely. That would be the story of Body Count right there. It's an early 90s novelty act where the rappers in a metal band I mean, at this point, like grunge was starting to take over and body counts and musical styling would soon fall out of favor. This wasn't supposed to be a thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, no, it was a novelty album. Yeah. And then the LA riots happened. On March 3rd, 1991, a black man named Rodney King was viciously beaten by LAPD officers while being detained for a DUI and evading arrests. Official reports state that King suffered a fractured facial bone, a broken right ankle, and multiple bruises and lacerations. When he was finally taken to the hospital, nurses on duty would later remark how the officers joked about how many times they had struck him. A plumbing salesman and amateur videographer, George Holiday, videotaped the beating from a nearby balcony. And two days later, Holiday called LAPD headquarters at, to let the police department know that he had a videotape of the incident. And Rodney King's brother, Paul, also called to report the abuse, and they didn't care. So George Holiday went to the television station, KTLA, and then the whole world saw what Ice-T had known all along.
1: Right, what every young black man growing up in South Central L.A. knew their
0: entire life. Yeah. Now, I want to dispel the notion that maybe it was just a few bad apples. So following the public outcry, the Christopher Commission, which was named after co-chair Warren Christopher, was formed to examine the policies and procedures of the LAPD and make recommendations on reforms. I read their official 1991 report, and it's fucked up. The commission conducted an extensive review of computer messages sent to and from patrol cars uh, throughout the city over the unit's mobile digital terminals, which are called MDTs. And these are like super primitive message boards for cops that they would just like, you know, send messages to each other. So they examined 182 days of MTD transmissions from November of 1989 to March of 1991. Among their findings were officers casually talking about beating suspects, urging one another to quote, "'Capture him, beat him, and treat him like dirt.'" (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't get much better.
1: No, it's it's wild though, because like times don't change. do you remember how the original press release uh, from the Minneapolis Police Department after George Floyd's death? No. Uh, the subject line is man dies after medical incident during police interaction. Oh, Uh, and then it says, two officers arrived and located the suspect, a male believed to be in his 40s in his car. He was ordered to step from his car. After he got out, he physically resisted officers. Officers were able to get the the suspect into handcuffs and noted he appeared to be suffering medical distress. Officers called for an ambulance. He was transported to Hennepin County Medical Center by ambulance where he died a short time later. Now, <laughs> we all know what really happened Holy because the whole shit. thing was on video. But that's what the Minneapolis police released to the press and to the public before it was known that there was videotape evidence of a cop kneeling on the man's neck.
0: And if there wasn't video, that would be the party line. And that absolutely.
1: It, yeah. And that's what it was for the entirety
0: of policing in America. Oh, before everybody had a video camera in their pocket. Yeah, 100 percent. So I'm going to read you a few more from these MTD transmissions. Some of the remarks, and this is just gross language, uh, some of the remarks describe minorities through animal analogies, such as "sounds like monkey slapping." Time. The report goes on to remark that these MDT conversations were often made in the context of discussing pursuits or beating suspects. The offensive remarks cover the spectrum of racial and ethnic minorities in the city. Example: "I would love to drive down Slauson with with a flamethrower. We could have a barbecue." Or I almost got me a Mexican last night, but he dropped the damn gun too quick. The officers typing the MDT messages apparently had little concern that they would be disciplined for such remarks. Their supervisors failed to monitor the messages or to impose discipline for improper remarks because they themselves were frequently the source of the offensive comments in the field. Shocking. The commission also obtained logs from officers and watch command immediately following the Rodney beating. Uh, with one of the officers remarking, I haven't beaten anyone this bad in a long time. And watch command replies, oh no, not again. I thought you agreed to chill out for a while. Unbelievable. Yeah, like being a minority in Los Angeles in the 1990s is a goddamn horror show. But having this casual malice captured on video could not be ignored. The Los Angeles County District Attorney charged four police officers with assault and use of excessive force. The jury that tried them consisted of 10 white jurors, one biracial male, one Latino, and one Asian American. On April 29, 1992, the seventh day of jury deliberations, the jury acquitted all four officers of assault and acquitted three of the four of using excessive force. And for the next six days, the city burned. Nick, do you have any recollection of the L.A. riots?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously we were little kids, mm-hmm. but no, I I remember. I mean, I'll never forget that footage of like Reginald Denny getting pulled out of his semi truck and hitting the face of the brick. Yeah, yeah, uh, and yeah, and just the city burning and like Korean shop owners sitting on top of the roofs of their of their stores
0: with rifles and shit. Like, yeah, it was it was a bad time. Yeah, and of course there was the you know Rodney King saying, "Can't we all just get along?" Which has kind of right. become a saying in popular culture, often used ironically, which is kind of fucked up. The LA 92 riots would result in 63 dead, over 2,000 injured, 12,000 arrests, and property damage totaling over one billion dollars. And this was broadcast into homes across the country live. So this it was the first riot of its kind where you could watch in real time as a city burned from racial yeah. Arrest. I mean, it was
1: like the most notable riot since Watts. Mm-hmm, I
0: think mm-hmm, absolutely. The situation in the Los Angeles area was resolved after the California National Guard, United States military, and several law enforcement agencies deployed more than 5,000 troops to assist in quelling the violence and unrest, which is fucking crazy to think about. As a quick postscript on those officers, I want to note that a subsequent federal trial saw two of them do two and a half years in prison, and uh, one of the officers who completely evaded charges, Timothy Wind. He was hired as a police department community relations officer for the L.A. suburb of Culver City, where he served from 1994 until 2000. So community relations officer. Yeah. Interestingly enough, though, he then moved to my old neighborhood of Fishers, Indiana to attend law school, which he graduated in 2003. And then he was unable to find a job because. Hello. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, no, it's great. It's so great, dude. Uh, there's an article from the Chicago Tribune that uh, it follows up on him in like 2012. This is the first sentence. Timothy Wind has no job, no money, no friends. His ulcers remind him daily of his one overwhelming regret, ever stepping foot in Los Angeles. And he's enti- like in this article, he's entirely unrepentant about Rodney King. So fuck him. <laughs>
1: Oh, for sure. No, that's like uh, yesterday. Uh, I think it was yesterday, the day before. Kyle Rittenhouse was all over Fox News talking about how uh, he's going to sue the media because uh, he he doesn't have any friends and he can't find any job, and he'll nobody maybe, maybe will never hire him again because of how much the media demonized him. It's like, well. You took a weapon of war into a town you didn't you didn't live in, and then you killed two people and blew another guy's arm off. You piece of shit! Like, oh my my my! If it isn't my the repercussion of my actions. Oh no, shit! I coming think, back to me.
0: I think him and Brock Turner should form like a boy band and just perform at neocon conventions. Jesus Christ!
1: <laughs> yeah, and that Nick Sandman kid. Yeah,
0: yeah. Just get them all together. <laughs> the bad boys of the neocon movement. That'd be great. New kid, The new kids on the block for the uh, Punisher Skull crowd. Oh, beautiful. So after all was said and done, the LAPD and law enforcement across the nation had a reckoning with themselves and unanimously decided to root out the systemic racism that had poisoned the justice system. And we as a society decided to take a closer look at those sworn to serve and protect, to see them as people and set aside the blind hero worship. Of course course I'm joking. (laughs) None none of this shit happened. (laughs) Or we wouldn't be talking about this song. So here's the million dollar question. How did a song, not a very popular song, that was recorded and released without incident well before the LA riots become a target for cops and politicians after the fact? It all started with a Dallas officer by the name of Senior Corporal Glenn White. One morning in May, 1992, Senior Corporal Glenn White reported for duty at the Northeast substation of the Dallas Police Department. White was a patrol officer and spent most of his day on the street, but he also worked part-time as the vice president of the Dallas Police Association, editing their monthly newsletter, The Shield. That morning, White's friend, Sergeant Ron Rose, approached him with a disturbing story. A friend of his daughter's had come to his house with a Body Count album, and when Ron heard the words to Cop Killer, he was just floored by what he was hearing. So he photocopied the lyrics, and he brought them to Sergeant White, and White was equally as astounded by what he was hearing. So Rose even went a step forward and compiled a list of Warner Brothers subsidiarities because the way he saw it, Every time he took his kids to Six Flags over Texas, he was rewarding a company that profited from music that openly called for his own death. Oh. Sorry about it. Yeah. <laughs> I can just imagine him looking up at like the Vortex and going, you motherfuckers. <laughs> Watching kids eating elephant ears, just be like, you tre- you're treading on me! <laughs> so, Rose asked White, Can you let people know about this? And White obliged. Are you ready for this? Began an article on page nine of the May 29th issue of The Shield from an article entitled New Rap Song Encourages Killing Police Officers. Again, not a rap song. (laughs) <laughs> on page nine of a <laughs> yeah.
1: I I wonder what the distribution of the
0: shield is. Yeah, well, I mean, it probably just got passed around and like, you know, it was the local yeah, newsletter. One, one, one cop's shitter to the next. <laughs> <laughs> this article goes on to state, I urge you to boycott, and that's in all caps, any and all Time Warner products and movies until such time as they have recalled this tape. If we want this pulled from the record stores, We're going to have to make it happen ourselves. We can not do it again in all caps. White ended it by printing the home address and phone number of Warner Brothers president Larry Warnocker. Because cops.
1: It's just and it just continues to this very day like. One day, I wonder if conservatives will ever understand that when you tell people that they're not allowed to read a book or listen to a song or watch a movie, that it's only going to make people want to watch it more, which is 100% (laughs) what happened
0: (laughs) to the sales of this album. Oh, yeah, we'll get to that. Actually, the shield arrived in the mailboxes of thousands of active and retired Dallas officers and other police associations across Texas. A few days later, White's phone rang, and it was Eric Ramp of the Corpus Christi Police asking if he could forward White's article to a reporter at the local paper, The Caller Times. The reporter, in turn, called the state's largest police advocacy association, the Combined Law Enforcement Association of Texas, or CLEAT. Do you know anything about Cleet? No, I don't, this is the first I've heard of it. Okay, they are the state's most powerful police union and a major player to this day. They control Texas policing and are the union. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so Ron Delord, who is Cleat's co-founder and president took the call and it was the first he had heard of any boycott, but he took up the cause. So on June 10th of 1992, Mark Clark, who is the director of government relations for Cleet, told reporters in a press conference, what we can't believe is that people who are in the business of entertaining the public would enter into a business relationship that would jeopardize the lives of men and women that police our communities. In a 1992 issue of Law Enforcement News, Clark was further quoted in a section called On The Record. His quote is as follows, our quarrel is not with ice tea, but with the beautiful people that run Time Warner, who like to present themselves as being in the business of family entertainment. So, Mike Clark's got a... Uh, yeah. Can I read you some other choice quotes from On the Record? Yeah, please do. We have to support all the laws. As long as sodomy is against the law, we can't hire someone who acknowledges violating the law. And that's Sergeant Jim Chandler, spokesman for the Dallas Police Department, on the department's ban on hiring gays and lesbians as police officers. Good old Texas, man. Never, it never fails to, uh, to not completely disappoint me. <laughs> here's, a, here's another one. It's just a bunch of guys running around naked and drunk as a skunk in the woods, 25 miles from nowhere. That's Detective Jim Mahoney, president of the Boynton Beach, Florida Police Benevolent Association regarding a videotape that allegedly shows officers on a weekend camping trip shooting a black mannequin scrawled with a racial epithet, and another that shows an officer simulating sex with a colleague in a rabbit costume. Fucking cops, uh, man. Uh, uh, uh. Bill Hart was a good man and a good cop. His nearly 40 years of faithful police service cannot go unrecognized. And that's Detroit Mayor Coleman Young, following the conviction of his longtime police chief, for theft, embezzlement, and tax evasion. Yep, perfect.
1: White people crimes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> fucking cops. They're the absolute worst. Dude, consistently. Yeah, they, and they mitigate at every, sing, at every single turn. Yeah, just a bunch of drunk guys in the woods, nothing to see here. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, they're breaking the law. You can't hire them as cops. And, you know, it's just, it, this is the party line over
1: and over and over. Cops are constantly complaining about Uh, You know, street codes of no snitching, but like they 100% have a no snitching policy within the police force. That
0: is what the Thin Blue Line means. I don't know when we forgot that, but it's the Thin Blue Line of silence. That's the last part of it, of silence. (laughs) Uh, So Ron DeLorde laid out the terms. If Time Warner fails to act by July 16th, the boycott ensues. And here are his demands. Time Warner was to pull the song from the album and issue an apology to police officers everywhere. Time Warner was then to donate proceeds from the album to build a community center in South Central Los Angeles. And they also wanted a million dollar donation from Ice-T. Ah, perfect. Yeah. Cleet also assembled information packets which were distributed to police chiefs in every state in the union. It included the names of major Time Warner shareholders and directors, song lyrics, descriptions of Time Warner's products and companies. It wasn't too long before other police unions around the country coalesced around this boycott. Shortly after the cleat boycott was announced, the New York Patrolman's Benevolent Association, which is the largest in the country, joined in, and it asked its pension fund board to divest itself of Time Warner stock worth $100 million. Its Boston counterpart also had a similar action, uh, asking for their 3.5 million in stock to be withdrawn. And of course, now the entire nation is paying attention. Called ...Cop Killer, a first-person depiction of black
4: urban rage over such things as the beating by Los Angeles police last year of black motorist Rodney King. Last week, police groups in Texas called for a boycott of all products made by Time Warner, the conglomerate that owns, among other things, Warner Brothers Records, the label that distributes the new Ice-T album Body Count, on which Cop Killer appears. Now, the New York State Sheriff's Association has called upon New Yorkers, perhaps unrealistically, to boycott the new Warner Brothers movie, Batman Returns. In response to all this, Time Warner defends its right to produce films and records, no matter how objectionable their content may be to certain groups. However, a major U.S. record store chain, Super Club Music, has now decided to pull Ice-T's Body Count album from all 300 of its record bar, tracks, and turtle stores in 19 states because of the Cop Killer track. And on Monday, rap forefather James Brown took a swipe at Ice-T during a visit to the U.S. House of Representatives in Washington, where Brown told Speaker of the House Tom Foley that he was, quote, sick of all this cop anti-hope music. What
1: does Ice-T himself have to say? <laughs> well, James to Brown, James Brown, the voice of reason. <laughs> right, but moments after doing crack in the bathroom. And leading police
0: on an interstate car chase because he was filming his employees using the bathroom. Do you you remember this? Yeah, Yeah. I do. Yeah, thank you, James. Thank you for that. So yeah, now the entire nation is paying attention and uh, they want you to boycott the Batman movie, which, uh, yeah. It's it's just ridiculous.
1: Yeah, I did not boycott. I saw Batman Returns in the theater
0: three times. (laughs) Yeah, it was great. It was absolutely great. Aside from the boycott, some police took it a step further into a much more dangerous place. In his book, Footsteps in the Dark The Hidden Histories of Popular Music, author George Lipschitz describes how police in Greensboro, North Carolina, which is just down the road from me, delivered an ultimatum to the management of one retail store that if they kept selling body count, the police would not respond to any emergency calls at the establishment.
1: In my research, I saw just multiple uh, instances of that exact same threat from,
0: from various law enforcement. Yeah, so the whole idea of the police not being a gang themselves, of them being there to protect and to serve, is t- it's thrown out right out the window. Well, yeah, I mean, for those that don't know,
1: uh, there is a Supreme Court case uh, a few years ago that explicitly states that the police have no obligation to serve or to protect, uh, which is why uh, there's nothing being done about the police in Uvalde, Texas, who just sat there while a bunch of kids got shot to death with an AR-15
0: last week. And so it went with police unions. But adding fuel to the fire was the fact that 1992 was an election year. You had George H.W. Bush and Dan Quayle running against Bill Clinton and Al Gore. I don't need to tell you how far an endorsement from police unions goes when you're running a presidential campaign. So let's listen to Vice President Dan Quayle during a campaign stop at San Diego's National Sheriff's Association.
5: Let me reiterate how strongly I feel about one particular issue in the news today. It is wrong for a powerful, influential corporation like Time Warner to make money off a record that says it's okay to kill cops. Friends, it's almost impossible to believe that the entertainment industry would produce something so revolting and outrageous. Just listen to the lyric which are actually some of the just listen to this one this lyric which are actually some of the tamer ones from Cop Killer. I got my 12 gauge sawed off got my headlights turned off I'm about to bust some cops <laughs> I'm about to bust some cops up. god damn it then later the words die die <laughs> die pig die Others have criticized the rap singer, the rap writers, so. singer,
1: the rap, the rap singer. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like it's just 1992 when Republicans and Democrats were all exactly the same. Oh, my God. It's it's fucking insane. So. So what? How many? How many officers did he say uh, die every year? Oh, you say 150 Something like that. So like, uh, did you know that policing is not the uh, most dangerous uh, job in the United States? I did not. What, what would you guess is if it's not policing
0: i mean firefighters got to be up there right
1: so i'm just going to go by like the most recent stats that i could find which happened to be the bureau of labor statistics in 2019. okay according to the bureau's website of the 5553 total workplace fatalities in america 1005 of them were delivery drivers <laughs> According to FBI statistics, in 2019, there were only 89 line-of-duty deaths for police officers. Of these, 48 officers died as a result of felonious acts, and the other 41 died in accidents. So, statistically, and this is a provable fact, pizza delivery drivers have less of a chance of coming home at the end of the day than any police officer. Wow. 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 What what do they get? Like the thin...
0: Mozzarella? Yeah, the
1: thin cheese line. I I don't know. (laughs) The
0: thin (laughs) breadstick. That's the flag I fly outside my house. (laughs) No, that's fucking crazy, man. But, you know, hey, here we are. Even the president, George H.W. Bush, got in on it as well. So here he is outside of the opening of New York's new DEA office.
6: Those who use film or records, or television, or video games to glorify killing law enforcement officers.
0: Read my lips, no more video games. <laughs> really, really. Also, his favorite actor was uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. So, right, yeah.
1: The challenge that I have is is what Kevin's alluding to. Um, no one ever watches a movie like The Terminator Which features Arnold Schwarzenegger (laughs) walking down the hallway of a police station, murdering every police officer he sees. No one ever has said, well, he's, he's inciting violence towards police officers. But a black man puts it in a song and all of a sudden it's a call to action and I'll never understand why that is how come music is the one spot where fucking everything has to be seen as autobiographical rather than writing and portraying a character like every TV show or movie that ever existed I mean like every fucking cowboy movie showed some sheriff getting shot by a bad man in the 50s and nobody said shit
0: well Nick I guess you are just conveniently forgetting that uh, landmark piece of legislation that uh, Cleet helped endorse and get passed, which was uh, the uh, the banning of time machines so that uh, we could prevent <laughs> things like the tragic Terminator police shooting incident. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, fuck them. You're right, dude. And it's... You know, it's like I'm bang. I, the whole time I've been writing this. I've just been banging my head against the wall because it's like you want to give a happy ending. You want to give a like, you know, and then somebody got their comeuppance. But it just doesn't fucking happen. So, right. I'm sorry. Right. If you're looking towards the end of this. and uh, No, no. It's eh. still I mean, still continues. Go look up
1: Charlie Kirk's comments about wet ass pussy. <laughs> <laughs> my wife is a doctor and she thinks you should get checked out if that's the condition you have. Like he's just a fucking
0: wiener. So now you've got every officer's association in the country and the president of the United States decrying your song. So it's time for us to meet the third player in this trifecta of bullshit. The National Rifle Association. These motherfuckers. (laughs) (laughs) And it's then spokesman and future president, Mr. Guns and Moses himself. Charlton Heston. (laughs) Just a bag of fucking bones and dust at this point in his life. For those of you who don't know, he was an actor known for his roles in Ben-Hur, Planet of the Apes, and most famously, The Ten Commandments. Now, here's where it gets kind of weird, because Heston's legacy is a complicated one. Here we have a man who served as a radio operator and B-52 aerial gunner in World War II, Right, which is, like,
1: literally one of the most dangerous jobs there is. You're, like, hanging out in a glass bubble underneath an airplane. Yeah, just just
0: artillery just firing at you. Right. Another crazy fact I found out was that after, like, he kind of got, uh, became known as an actor, he would go on to provide voice talent for uh, these Army nuclear weapon instruction films, which, no shit, gained him Q-level clearance. Oh, that's insane. Yeah, right? It goes on. So, in 1964, he was an outspoken supporter of the Civil Rights Act, and he backed the Gun Control Act of 1968. He marched in picket lines of a segregated Oklahoma theater showing one of his movies, and he accompanied MLK to a number of his speeches. Charlton Heston, for all intents and purposes, was a really rad dude. Up to a point. Because when the party of Lincoln became the party of Reagan, it fucking melted his brain. Along with a lot of other fucking people. Yeah, yeah. So, like, something happened in the 80s where he just completely came on board with, like, Reagan Republicanism and did an about face on almost everything.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, like, just, I mean, the same thing happened to Clint Eastwood. Remember when he was screaming at that empty chair at the RNC? pretending that Obama was sitting in it. Like, what is it with these like, old actors that just lost their minds at the
0: end of their careers? It really is. It really is. So, yeah, uh, Chuck became the spokesman for the NRA. So with this massive war chest and a famous spokesman at their disposal, the NRA launched a full court press blitz against Body Count and Time Warner.
4: The National Rifle Association in full page newspaper ads blasted Time Warner. The NRA has also launched a letter writing campaign against the company. Ooh,
1: a letter
0: writing campaign. (laughs) Yeah, back in the day when it was like, let me just get out my stamps and my envelope and let Time Warner know how I feel. Oh, God, that uh, NRA newspaper ad. It also pledged legal assistance to the interests of any police officer shot or killed if it is shown that Ice-T's cop killer song incited the violence.
1: Yeah, easily provable. It's an easily
0: provable concept. Yeah, yeah. So a very, very brave stance they, they took there. But most famously, on July 16th, Heston appeared before Time Warner shareholders at a board meeting and gave us this incredible moment in history, which he recounts for us
6: in this clip. Let me tell you a story. few years back i heard about a rapper named Ice T, whose cop killers cd was about murdering police officers it was being marketed by no less than time warner the biggest entertainment conglomerate in the world police across the country were outraged rightfully so but time warner was stonewalling because it was a cash cow hit cd for them and the media were sort of tiptoeing around the thing because it was a the rapper was black
1: that that's it well these blacks can say anything they want us whites <laughs> just have to listen to it also like this record was not a cash cow no. like in, in half of the fucking reviews i saw they're like and here's the manager of a tower records who says that the record
0: is selling upwards of 40 copies a day <laughs> yes i have that clip <laughs> and if, go back to the top of the hour when it debuted at number 36 right <laughs> like it, it wasn't doing crazy numbers but uh right oh and but but like
1: okay charlton heston like what would you say if like some like legion of concerned egyptian citizens (laughs) took issue with you portraying the fucking dead sea collapsing on a thousand fucking egyptian soldiers you anti-egypt bigot
6: (laughs) i'd tell them to go fuck themselves (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but hey let's hear chuck tell it had a stockholders meeting scheduled in beverly hills Now I owned a couple of hundred shares of Time Warner stock at the time so I decided to attend. (laughs) What happened next was uh, against the advice of my family and colleagues and to the intense dismay of my friends within the Time Warner organization, it certainly ruled out any future work for me with them. Still I went, I asked for the floor, And to a hushed room with a thousand average American stockholders, I simply read the full lyrics of Cop Killer.
1: Can we also note that this is taking place at CPAC? (laughs) You want to tell the folks what CPAC is? Yeah, CPAC is the uh, Conservative Political Action Committee. It's like the... It, I mean, now it's like the annual meeting of neo-Nazis, but like it, <laughs> sure it used to just be like concerned anti-abortion conservatives get together to talk about which candidates we want to support. And now like fucking Nick Fuentes does the play-by-play and fucking, <laughs>
0: it's, yeah. What, what wasn't their theme last year like. Canceling cancel culture Some shit like yeah, that Yeah, or... the year before that was like Socialism is ruining America Yeah, and... or no, it was uncancelled Or some shit like yeah, that Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. there's a bunch of fucking extremists Let's go back to a, uh, Softer, gentler time at CPAC
6: Every vicious, vulgar, dirty word They were selling I, uh... I see some of you know about cop killer and I see, Yeah. Let me uh, give you a sample of some of the, uh, lyrics that had some of the older ladies among the stockholders white with dismay. They were already white. They were so white.
1: <laughs> also, how many little old ladies do you know that are going to the fucking like stock report out meetings, <laughs> <to> <laughs> major fucking companies? Yeah.
0: I mean, and, and it's, he's so pleased with himself in this.
1: Oh, he, yeah, dude, he, this guy gets high on his own farts. Like, look at this fucking guy.
6: <laughs> All right, here we go. Language they had never heard before. I got my 12-gauge sawed off. I got my headlights turned off. I'm about to bust some shots off. I'm about to dust some cops off. The room was death still. A sea of shocked, frozen, blanched faces. Blanched? blanched white like just white faces <laughs> right? just,
3: what the fuck dude <laughs> he can't get can't or... help
6: himself they were just
1: so white <laughs> they were getting whiter by the moment <laughs>
0: from this black rapper
6: <laughs> warner executives squirmed in their chairs and it, stared at their shoes they they hated me for that <laughs> Then I delivered another volley of really sick lyrics, brimming with racist filth or iced tea fantasizers about sodomizing two 12 year old nieces of Al and Tipper's <laughs>
1: Gore. <laughs> I mean, we did kind of identify that was a weird lyric. It was in that a episode, weird but lyric, but it's, but it's even
0: weirder <laughs> to have it. Charlton Hested. Uh, anyway, let's keep going.
6: I've never heard the vice president refer to this. She pushed, her, she pushed her butt against my... No, I won't do to you here what I did to them there. <laughs> Let's just say I left the room in an echoing silence. Yeah, so Charles Estet goes
0: into the Time Warner uh, board meeting, reads the lyrics to Cop Killer and KKK Bitch, which uh, if I could be a fly on the wall in God. any room...
1: <laughs> If if I if we had a a video of him reading the lyrics to KKK bitch, I would just play it to help me go to sleep every
0: night. Seriously, I mean the the think what you want about the man, but his dulcet tones are yeah. just like it's just like a warm blanket. She's my KKK bitch. I love it when she suck me though. <laughs> she got mad. My dick got hard. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So. Uh... The one person that we haven't heard from in all of this is the artist himself. So, what did Ice T have to say about it? John Heston is—I thought
2: he was dead first off <laughs> when he popped up out of nowhere, bitching at me. John Heston is nothing but a politician, you know. The cat—he—he he, he rallies against me, but then at the same time he lobbies to keep a bullet called the cop killer legal because he's the spokesperson or the head or the president of the NRA. So, he's got his shit twisted. But the problem with Charlton Hessen is, due to the fact he's been in a couple of whack movies, people think he's Moses, and if he says something really heavy, somebody thinks fucking God spoke. <laughs>
6: <laughs> Mr. Levin says, well, that's just fantasy. He never murdered a police officer. Jews and homosexuals are also often attacked, though perhaps not as often as police officers. I wonder what Mr. Levin would say if... That song I just read quotes from were titled Fag Killer, or if the lyrics went, die, 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 kike, die. Wow, wow.
1: Well, well, that's, I mean, literally putting words in somebody's mouth. Also, police are not a protected class. (laughs) (laughs) Little Adder. You choose, you choose to apply to be a cop. That is a choice you make, and you choose to go to that job every day. It's a job. You're not born into a cop. (sighs) Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just really wanted to say track six right there. (laughs) I
2: don't like police. Everybody knows I hate the police with a passion. They can kiss my ass, basically. But (laughs) (laughs) he's so likable. As far as the police doing a boycott on me i mean i don't really have a problem with that because they never bought one of my records anyway
4: ice T, of course has
5: not remained silent on all this and just the other day he spoke exclusively to fab five freddy of yo mtv raps
2: if this record was so dangerous it's been out since march where's the rash of police homicides that it was going to create right now if somebody were to get killed because of this record it's not because of me it's because of all this attention that they've
1: brought can I read you my favorite quote from Ice T at this time? Please, it's from uh, the CBC News, so like Canadian Broadcasting. Okay, um, Ice T stated of the song, "I'm singing in the first person as a character who is fed up with police brutality. I ain't never killed no cop. I felt like it a lot of times, but I never did it. If you believe that I'm a cop killer, you believe David Bowie is an astronaut." <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's right. Like, it's just, the argument is so ridiculous, but you have to, you know, because of this politics of civility, you have to go, okay, well, I understand your point, but haven't you, under- like, the, the GOP and the NRA and the police unions have no interest in civil discourse. They are not going to be swayed. So we're, it's like arguing with a fucking brick wall, but yet we do it. So here we are. A deadline has been set the battle lines drawn now it's time warner to feel the wrath of the blue
4: in spite of all the protests time warner has refused to pull the album off the market as a matter of fact in cities where the protesters have been most vocal sales of the album have increased
6: Meanwhile, so far it does not look like the calls for an iced tea boycott are working. Following the first boycott call, the New York State Sheriff's Association's call
1: for a boycott of the new Warner Brothers film Batman Returns didn't seem to be working either. The movie set a one-day box office record by taking in $16.8 million on Saturday, and industry analysts predicted its three-day opening weekend total would easily top
3: the
6: $40 million earned by the original Batman when it opened. But media analyst Christopher Dixon says the boycott will be both ineffective and impossible to carry out. To try to single out every single part of a company to go out and boycott it for one small aspect is not only extraordinarily difficult, but I'm not quite sure it really uh, uh, really meets the needs of those people who are particularly looking to protest the events.
0: Yeah, so the boycott was bullshit. It was never gonna work, and it didn't work. But in spite of everything, it only took six weeks for Time Warner to fold. On July 28th, 1992, Time Warner announced it would be pulling Body Count's album from the shelves. The move was positioned as a decision made by Ice-T himself, He was quoted at the time saying, At the moment, the cops are in criminal mode. They've threatened to bomb the record company. I'm in the position now where I think Warner Brothers is taking the war for me. So, as of today, I'm going to pull the song off the record. So the album was pulled and eventually replaced with an alternate copy with modified artwork and absent the sketch out in the parking lot and the song Cop Killer. Cop Killer was replaced with a track called Freedom of Speech, which, for all of its venomous railing against right-wing culture warriors, feels absolutely toothless. But Warner Brothers appreciated Ice-T sticking up for them, so much that in January of 1993, they dropped him and refused to distribute his upcoming album, Home Invasion, a month before its intended release. As of today, Cop Killer is still unavailable on any streaming platform anywhere. The only place you can find it is if you're lucky enough to own a copy of the original album or pull up a random YouTube upload like we did. The song's Wikipedia page states that the song has been memory-hold. It's an Orwellian term for deliberate alteration or disappearance of inconvenient or embarrassing documents, photographs, transcripts, or other records, as part of an attempt to give the impression that something never happened but it did happen, and it's our job to make sure that you damn well know about it. Goddamn right. In the wake of more recent social unrests, this song feels more urgent than ever. Ice was asked about it not be, still not being included on the album, and he said, it should be there. It absolutely should be there. Some of these kids that are out there protesting, they're 30, 31. They were newborns when this was going on. What we talked about 30 years ago, we're still talking about. He's not wrong. Right. And it's even more now because there's just consistent evidence over and over and over again, every single day.
5: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: But, uh, I am happy to report that after cop killer was pulled from the album, no cops have died ever. <laughs> so, you know, good, good, good job. Cleet. Good job. NRA. Good job. Dan Quayle, everybody all around pat yourselves on the back. You won. <laughs> Sorry. So, uh,
1: yeah. Um, While the the song uh, vanished, Ice-T went on to have
0: a much, much different career. Yeah, yeah. Let's get into the Where Are They Now? So uh, Body Count would go on to release the lackluster sophomore effort, Born Dead, in 1994, and a third album, Violent Demise, The Last Days. Uh, Sadly, in 1996, Beatmaster V died from leukemia, and in 2000, Moose Man died when he was caught in the middle of a drive-by shooting. And in 2004, D-Rock passed away from complications from lymphoma. So to date, the only original members of body count that are still alive are Ice-T and Ernie C. In 2000, Ice-T joined the cast of Law & Order Special Victims Unit as Detective Finn Tuttola, a role that he's still playing 22 years later. Can we just do the math right there? Mm-hmm. He
1: started this role as a cop in the year 2000. Mm-hmm. Eight years after the cop killer controversy, he started playing a Republican police detective on law and order SVU. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, it's, (sighs) you know, the irony is not lost on anyone. It's just, you know, it just goes to prove you can play a role. You can Right, exactly, yeah, exactly. You, you can say things and, and act in a manner in art that doesn't necessarily reflect who you are. But, you know, I, I, I wish somebody would tell Chuck Heston that, but he's deader and fuck. <laughs> uh, fuck him, fuck
1: him! <laughs>
0: I know his family's grieving. Um,
1: fuck him, fuck
0: him! Um, Body
1: Count, uh, you know, had a, had a moment though. They
0: did. Uh, They, they
1: reunited
0: in, uh, what was that? 15? Yeah. So, uh, they released, uh, so they got together a new lineup and they released an album in 20, uh, 2006 called Murder for Hire, but it didn't really do anything. And it wasn't until 2014 that they released Manslaughter with the hit song, Talk Shit Get Shot. Which, by the way, if you've never seen the music video
1: to talk shit, get shot, pause this show and go look it up. It's fantastic.
0: It's absolutely amazing. That kind of put body count back on the scene and giving them the attention they deserved. And since then, they've enjoyed a lot of success in the metal scene. And they're regularly playing festivals all over the world and released two more albums with a third on the way. So they're also heavy as shit now. They really are. <laughs> yeah, they, they had uh, Jamie Josta from Hatebreed on one of their right. tracks. Uh, I mean, they have like crazy guest features, and yeah, they've just gotten heavier and heavier.
1: Yeah, I would I would recommend the song uh, "No Lives Matter" if you want to <laughs> check in
0: on Body Count yeah. where they're at now. Yeah, one hundred percent. So that concludes the story of Body Count and the song "Cop Killer."
1: Nick, any parting thoughts? Yeah, um, have you seen the footage of Soundgarden playing Cop Killer at Lollapalooza? No, I have not. So the, the rumor is, and I can't confirm this, mm-hmm. but the rumor is at this particular tour stop, body count was threatened uh, that if they performed Cop Killer that the cops are gonna come in and arrest Ice-T on the stage. So in response, Soundgarden did this. <laughs> Anyway, you get the idea.
0: (laughs) That's so great. I kind (laughs) of wish they would have given it more of, like, the uh, sound country, like, I'm a cop killer! (laughs) (laughs) You know, where it sounds like he's just, like, someone squeezing his balls, and he gets that (laughs) high note
1: (laughs) Yeah, either way, I think it's it's still pretty cool. He gave, like,
0: a big speech before it about censorship and shit, and, uh, yeah, Chris Cornell was the man. Yeah, that's awesome. So, uh, yeah, I, I think... I really went down the rabbit hole on this one, and it's like crazy, because I'm reading about all these things from the 90s, and yeah, a lot of things have changed, but you know what? A lot have stayed the same, and that is unfortunate. Cleet is still around doing their thing, being brave Texas cops. (laughs) Brave, brave Texas cops.
1: So much bravery.
0: So much braver. Nick, what have you been listening to?
1: All right, well, I'm going to stay on topic, and uh, I, I think that there's still a lot of room for protest music, and uh, I'm going to talk about uh, a band that I enjoy uh, that uh, is carrying on where Body Count left off. Uh, this song is called Three, and it's by Stray From The Path.
3: The police are people who give help each and every day. If you like to help people, then joining the police is A-okay.
1: Anyway, you get the idea. Yeah,
0: love that band. Yeah, uh, they're awesome. Cool, cool. So, on my end, uh, you know, as we get closer and closer to Furnace Fest, I've kind of been diving into a lot of those bands. And uh, one of the bands that I am definitely going to be checking out, um, they put on a great live show, Drug Church. And I'm going to play a, the song Grubby off of their album, Cheer. Yeah, that is nice. drug church. So that is going to wrap it up for us. I believe we've got one more mosh pit and one more episode before. The- we do. Yes. Um, and Kevin, I want to go out big
1: before summer vacation. I want to take it back to the early, early nineties to another proto new metal band of the same vein. And we're going to be talking about the self-titled debut from Rage Against the Machine. Hell Yes.
0: Hell yes. I, that's perfect. Perfect. Yeah, so if you
1: hated this episode, you're going to fucking hate that one too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> cool, man. All right. Well, where can they find us?
1: Well, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Days of the New. You can find me on Instagram at Twitter at Nick underscore the underscore knife.
0: And you can find me on Instagram at K-J-D-E-L-U-R-Y. And you cannot find me on Twitter because fuck the police. Not a joke, not a segue, nothing clever. Fuck them. (laughs) All right. Well, we will see you in a week.
1: Uh, Thanks, as always, for listening. Hit that subscribe button. Tell your friends. Days of the New is a production of the Palm Springs 86. You were there. Fuck them. (laughs)
6: on hype tonight'll be your night die 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 pig die F- the police i know your family's grieving F- them catch you a little number isn't it